I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Back in 2019, I was sitting in a coffee shop in Dunleary in Ireland, and across the table from me was a guy called Peter Foley. Peter was the CEO and founder of a company called Let's Get Checked, this really hot and up-and-coming health tech startup at the time. And I was there because I was interviewing for a role at his company. And we'd been chatting for a while, and I thought it was going pretty well, until Peter asked me a question that I thought I had answered well, and it was only when he responded to me that I realized I hadn't a fucking clue what I was talking about. And this was like the first wake up for me that I had no idea what startups were really about. I ended up working in startups for the next six years, both at Let's Get Checked and at Wayflyer, and having an absolute blast and doing pretty well too. And I learned a ton of lessons over that period. And that's what today's episode is all about. I break down all of the lessons that I learned from that very first conversation that I had with Peter in that coffee shop. And throughout the next six years where I was lucky enough to join at a really early stage, two companies that ended up becoming unicorns, Let's Get Checked and Wayflyer. This is particularly helpful if you've just moved into startups or if you're considering it. And especially if you're moving from a professional services background. So if you're in consulting or law or accounting and you're thinking or have just made the move into startup land, as I call it, this is basically a list of six things that it took me, you know, like six years to learn, but you're going to hear them all on this episode. So it's going to be super helpful for you to make sure that you enjoy your time at a startup, but also it's going to help you be successful to get promoted quicker, to have a greater impact and to also just enjoy your time a bit more. So that's what's on the agenda for today's episode. If you're not in startups, I actually think this is still super relevant. There's a lot of lessons here that are going to be helpful for you in your career. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get into it. Don't give a fuck about us. Now we here, all right? the question that peter asked me when i was sitting across the table was he basically asked me what i was going to do for them at let's get checked because i think he was kind of like impressed with my mckinsey background and obviously done enough when i was chatting to him to be like oh okay this guy's interesting maybe he might be able to do something for me but he couldn't really place me because this is a problem that a lot of consultants fall into. It's like you're very general in your background. And so there was no one specific thing that I could do. Like I couldn't go in and say, oh, I'm going to you know, design your product or I'm going to help engineer it or help sell it or whatever else. Um, and he was kind of looking at me and being like, where am I going to put this dude? Or what would he actually do? But anyway, I thought I had a fantastic answer. So he was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, Peter, I'm going to do your strategy. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm McKinsey strategy consultant. I've done this for big companies, you know doing it for like a startup that's that's easy money like I can do that no problem and he looked back at me and he's like Stephen I have a strategy I don't need any help with that I was like oh uh okay I guess I'm an idiot and I've no idea what I'm talking about here in this different world (laughs) that is not consulting land and it made me realize like this this is like the first time I was like oh Jesus this is like a completely a completely different game now anyway I was obviously able to <laughs> figure out something that I was able to do for him um because I did ultimately get the job and which, which was fantastic and it went on to be an amazing opportunity for me but this was like this first big moment where I was like fuck this is like a completely different ball game and so that's kind of what I kind of break down today is like some of the mistakes that I've made and like the learnings that I've had from them and so there's six of them right the first one is focus on outcomes not output 
when you're in other jobs, especially professional services like in consulting, success usually means like giving your client a nice big PowerPoint deck. When I was a consultant, I would just focus on, you know, how many PowerPoint pages can I create? How many kind of rows of the model can I fill in today? How much analysis could I complete? Essentially, that was my output. And if I delivered a lot of high quality output, my manager was happy and I was successful. I'd get good, you know, reports. I'd get good feedback. I would get promoted. Happy days. But in startup land, this is not the case. Success is not determined by your output. Instead, success is determined by your outcomes. So let me explain a bit what I mean there. So at a startup, you might be asked to do something like increase user retention. Let's just say that's the thing. So you've got people coming onto your platform, but how good are you at keeping them on your platform? Now, your job here is not to find out how to increase user retention. That would be your job if you were in consulting. You would create a nice big deck that says, hey, look, here's how we're going to do it, right? This is my output. Look at this beautiful deck. But in a startup, that's actually pretty worthless. Your job is not to find out how to increase user retention. Your job is to actually increase it. Like until those numbers are going up, you actually have not produced any value at all for the company. And in startups, there's no like, you know, people don't really care about your decks or whatever else you do. It's all about the results or certainly should be. And so this means that your job is only done when you've actually achieved the outcome. Creating the plan for how you will achieve it. Sure, that's like a helpful first step, but it's not the same as delivering the outcome. And usually it's like the first like 3% of the actual thing. Now, as long as you deliver the outcome, no one will care what nice plan that you had to get there. But the interesting thing is delivering this outcome, all the 97% that happens after the strategy, that's the hard bit. It is hard to do stuff in the real world. Anybody who has worked in startups and actually tried to make stuff happen, realize that there's a hundred reasons why something doesn't work. And that's what makes it tough. But if you're the person who's actually able to always push through these and create the outcome, actually deliver the results, you're going to be an absolute rock star. And so that's my first piece of advice. Focus on outcomes. Don't worry about output. That's just a means to an end. And you're going to need to leave your PowerPoint decks behind you. The second thing that I've learned, and I learned this the hard way, is that you need to become self-sufficient. When you're in a startup, every startup has a resourcing problem. Teams are stretched. Their backlogs are massive. And if you're always relying on another team to create something that you need, you're always going to be waiting a while. And so the more that you can deliver yourself, the more successful that you will be. Now, if you've come from kind of a big corporate or consulting firm, you had teams that would do so for you, right? You had an analytics team where you would have a research team. Jeez, in McKinsey, we even had like people who would help make our decks for us. Like we would send them off overnight and they would come back all like tidied up and beautiful. And that doesn't, really exist in startups. Everyone's like crammed, they've got way too much work. And so you have to become self-sufficient. And so right now you might not have many hard skills if you've just moved into this area. You might be able to code, design, use SQL, this kind of thing. But in your new role, you're gonna to need to deliver outcomes, like I said, and that's gonna require some hard skills to do that. And so if you wanna deliver these outcomes, you can't always rely on other teams to provide these skills for you. So what can you do instead? Well, first, what I would recommend is figure out the tasks that you need to complete most often. Are you always waiting on landing pages? Is there a piece of analysis that you always need for you to do your job but you can never get? The next step then is to look at the ones that you think you can learn yourself. 
a lot of these are like not necessarily that hard. Sure, you might do a job as good as the person who's like dedicated to it, but you can do a pretty good job. And then go and learn these. If you're in growth marketing, you know, or if you're in kind of a product or an analytics, like, well, certainly analytics, like, learn SQL, like, learn to design landing pages, learn to write great copy, learn whatever no code tools you need to run your campaigns. It's like, you know, Zapier, Airtable, Webflow, Bubble, they're all great examples. Like, do that. And because what happens then is like, sure, it might take time, but these skills are going to compound quickly. And your ability to deliver outcomes is going to just like skyrocket. You'll be able to deliver end to end initiatives by yourself. And no one's going to be able to figure out how you did it so fast. And these are the two, like there are actually two extra benefits to this. So like first, you might find a new area that you actually really like doing. You might, you know, start working in SQL and be like, do you know what, I actually really like this. And it could end up being a interesting route for you to spend more time in data. But then second, you're going to learn enough about these skills that's going to help you better manage people in these areas in the future. So if you're doing these things and following the tips I'm giving you today, you're going to, promote it, going to get promoted pretty quickly. Now you're going to be managing people and often you're going to be managing people who are going to be doing the things that, you know, you used to have to ask for help with, right? So let's just say you're managing a designer. Now, if you know the basics around actually how to design a landing page and what that looks like and how long it takes, you're going to be a way better manager because you're going to know, like, how long it's going to take people. So you can kind of, like, call their bullshit, basically, if they say it's going to take forever when you know it's not. But then also you're going to be able to give them feedback and you're going to be able to help them and actually be engaged with that rather than just, like, being like, oh, yeah, design the landing page and, like, not being able to give any input on that. So that's my second tip. It's all about becoming self-sufficient. I think this is so important. If you do this, you're just going to become this like unstoppable machine and everyone's going to be like, how did this person deliver all of this stuff like by themselves? Like, I just don't understand it. The third one is more on the interpersonal side. So this is really about building long-term relationships. I think this is important no matter where you work, but it's even more important in startups. When I was a consultant, you know, at McKinsey, most of my projects, they only lasted a few months, right? So I was usually working with a client team. I'd be dropped in there and I know I'd only be there for like eight weeks. Now, I'd make a genuine effort to build good relationships with them because I just think it's the right thing to do. But ultimately, I knew and so did everybody else that I could burn a few relationships along the way if I had to. In a few weeks, I'd leave the project. I'd never see these people again. They weren't the ones evaluating my performance or deciding my bonus. So if they hated me, like who really cared? As long as my manager liked me, as long as a partner on the project liked me, happy days, I was gonna do well. And so if it ever came to this trade-off of like, if I have to burn a relationship or piss somebody off a little bit, like the reality was like, I was gonna do it. And it was, you know, often just more important to get the output that I needed from people than to maintain this like really, really healthy like long-term relationships. I'm not saying that's an objectively bad thing, it's just the reality of the role. And so in startup land, this is no longer the case. In startup land, you need to build long-term trusted relationships across your organization. Again, let me give you a quick example on this. So let's say you've been given the task of launching some new partnership at your startup. It was a last minute thing, CEO dropped it on your desk and so you've got this super short deadline. So you need a landing page for this partnership so you're like, okay, I need a landing page. How am I going to get that? You go to your design team and you ask them to help. And they're like, look, mate, like, I hear you. I hear this is important, but like, we have no capacity right now. We've got a super long backlog of things. Like, we can't just drop it to 
you know, facilitate creating this landing page for your partnership launch. And you were like, okay, I hear you, but you know, I want to get this done. And so I don't really care. And so basically you want your landing page and you need it now. And you basically just like fight with them. So you demand they drop it, right? And you're just going to keep pushing so that until you get your thing. And, you know, sometimes if you shout loud enough and you become a big enough pain in the ass, people will eventually do it for you. Sometimes. <laughs> and they'll give you what you want. So you get your landing page, you thank them, you move on, you launch your partnership, job done, right? Short term, you got what you wanted. But this is going to come back to bite you. I promise you. You've pissed off this team. They tried to tell you that, look, this isn't possible, but you didn't really care. You just put yourself ahead of them and you kept shouting until eventually they just capitulated. This is not going to be the last time that you need to work with these people. And how do you think they're going to react the next time that you go back and ask them for something? They're not going to want to do it. They're not going to want to help you. They're not going to want to work with you. And these having these relationships are so important. So you have to treat every team in your organization as genuine partners. They're not somebody to fulfill your demands, right? At times, this is going to mean that you're not going to get what you want. You're going to miss your deadline. You're not going to get your landing page. And that's going to suck. But I guarantee you, it's better than ruining your relationships. Hopefully, you're going to be working with these people for years, right? So do not sacrifice these long-term relationships for short-term gains. In other jobs, you could get away with it. The rules of the game meant that this trade-off was often worth it for you. But in startup land, you're a player in a different game, and you have to act accordingly. The fourth thing I've learned about how to be successful in startups is that you can cheat. And I actually mean this. Not the bad kind of cheat, but the good kind of cheat. I'll tell you what I mean. So when you're in, you know, other jobs, especially, you know, consulting or accounting or law, like you've got this like defined set of tools um, that you can use to solve problems. Uh, when I was at McKinsey, you know, I would acquire different like tools and add them to my toolbox. I became good at building Excel models and I learned how to, you know, find internal experts within McKinsey to help on my projects. And I didn't realize at the time, but, the potential size of my toolbox was actually extremely limited. And this isn't because I didn't want to learn more skills, but it was because working in this job at McKinsey, it really limited the amount of tools that I was allowed to use. In startups, this is just not true. You have exponentially more tools available to you. There's very little rules to the game here. And so instead of just having your own, own toolbox that you can carry with you, you're basically like living in a giant hardware store full of tools. And when you realize this, it's so powerful and it's genuinely going to feel like cheating. So let me make this like tangible and practical. So why do you have so many more tools available to you in startup land? Well, it's because there's way less rules. And so this is some of the examples of the tools that you can have. So firstly, you can just ask someone who's done it before. I've literally looked people up on LinkedIn, DM them, jumped on a call and asked them for their advice. I'm like, I'm trying to do this. I don't know how to do it. I think you've done it before. What should I do? Better yet, you can just hire these people. You can hire them like full time as your employees or you can hire them as contractors. You can hire them as consultants to actually just do the thing for you to come back to like this whole idea of like creating outcomes. Like all that matters is you get the outcome. It doesn't really matter how you get there, whether you did it or whether you like quote unquote cheated and got somebody else to do it for you. Like nobody cares as long as you got the thing done. You can't do this in consulting land. I couldn't go out in McKinsey and, and you know, be like trying to like build a model and then just go to my manager. It's like, oh, like 
I actually don't know how to build this model. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and, like, DM somebody on LinkedIn and, like, get them to do it for me because I think they're going to be way better at it. Like, <laughs> that's not allowed. Like, you can't do that. Um, but once you start doing this and, you know, asking other people and getting other people to help, like, it's going to feel like magic. The second thing you can do, and I get that to a certain point you can do this in, other, in, in pretty much any job, but, you know, you can just Google it. This is true in startup probably probably more certainly more than consulting perhaps in you know like accounting alone other things it's it's less true but um or more true but a lot of the problems that you'll face have been faced before right like there's so much information out there for startups there's like amazing blogs podcasts slack groups slack communities are amazing there's going to be a slack community for like the type of function that you work in or the type of industry that you work in and you just need to join that and there's going to be amazing people in there that are all super relevant to your role and you can just mine them for answers mine the content and my advice here is to like engage with these communities contribute to them make friends they're going to give you answers to some of your toughest problems and i've done this like more times than i can remember and um, i've hired people through these communities i just like you know again you can just cheat right <laughs> you can find ways like there's so many ways for you to achieve the same outcome uh, okay, a couple of other things that you can do that are going to feel like cheating. One is test it. So if you've got an idea and if you're not sure it'll work, you don't really need to waste too much time debating it. If you're in a startup, you can just go and test it. Um, you know, this is kind of a typical like test and learn approach that a lot of people talk about. Um, it's real. You can do it. In consulting, it takes a long time to get stuff done. There's lots of rules about what you can and can't do. Startups, you got the gift of speed, right? You can figure out like an MVP of your idea. Don't need to worry about asking too much permission and you can just go and run it. And instead of debating internally for weeks about whether it's going to work or not, you can just let the real world tell you and you're going to figure that out way, way quicker and you're going to know for sure. A um, couple more, talk to customers. This is such a no-brainer. I do this all the time, even with my current business, is that like in, you know, in other jobs that like you can't really, it, it can be way more hard to talk to your to your customers or to your clients' customers. And so in startups, it's like so much easier and so powerful. You can just like go out to your customers and like ask them questions, like get their opinions and stuff. And they're gonna give you like really useful information. For, so for example, I was recently thinking about how to like, um, or when I was at Wayflyer, I was thinking about how to like describe one of one of our products, right? For how we market it and how we position it. And I was going back and forth, like different ideas in my head, but I wasn't cracking it. Like I just knew I wasn't really nailing it. And so, I just went out to some of our customers and I just had a chat with them. And I was like, how would you guys do it? How would you describe it? Like in your own words. And they just described it. And I got an answer that was like literally 10 times better than what I had because obviously they're the ones who know the industry even better than I do. And they know their own problems and how they speak better than I do. So you can just ask your customers. And then finally, courses. Courses are like a really good way to teach you what you need to know. Um, there's so many great courses out there. Everything from like copywriting courses to membership to cohort-based courses like Reforge, which is really great if you're working in growth or marketing or product. Um, they're run by like really top experts and they're just going to give you answers to many of your toughest problems. So if you do all this stuff, it's going to feel like cheating, uh, but it's not. And even if it was, essentially cheating is allowed in startups or at least the good, this good kind of cheating is. And again, it's just another thing that you're going to do that's going to make your job a lot easier and you're going to progress way quicker. The fifth thing I've learned about how to be successful at startups is that you need to get great at implementation. When I was talking earlier about producing outcomes, I was like, startups are like, you know, 3% strategy, 97% implementation. 
Um, in other jobs, it's not necessarily the case. Sometimes, you know, if you're a strategy consultant, your job is actually to produce the strategy. And so often, you know, the night before your final steer co, you might throw in like an implementation section at the end of your deck. Um, but, you know, it was just really an afterthought. That's not the case in startups. Implementation is actually the thing that you need to worry about. And so what does this mean for you if you're working in a startup company? Well, firstly, you need to spend most of your time and effort thinking about implementation, what you should do. Strategy is like sexy, but again, it doesn't deliver outcomes for you. So you need to get great at implementation and make this a priority, and then it's gonna be a superpower for you. Secondly, if you are ever like developing a strategy, you have to think about implementation like from the start. It's not this add-on. You can't come up with this like beautiful, perfect theoretical strategy um, and then be like, oh, how are we gonna do this? Like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, but we just have to figure it out. It's like, no, that's not gonna work. You have to put it from, the very start and have it at the top of your mind. It's like, how are we actually going to do this? You're an operator now. You're not like a strategist, right? And so great operators are great implementers. And there's like five little tips that I have for coming, like becoming a really great operator and implementing things effectively. The first is keep it simple. The second one is to focus on process. The process is going to be what helps you to actually deliver it. And that's everything from like, metrics through to like the cadence of meetings through to how you document things and really just if you've got the process that's what is going to allow you to implement stuff uh, number three is over communicate this is so important you just you cannot say things enough especially to like other stakeholders and other business like parts around the business they're going to forget what you're doing they're focused on their own thing just keep them updated with it the fourth thing i have on this and this is actually this is maybe the number one piece of advice that I have for like people early on in the career is whatever you say you're going to do, do it. This is so, so important. It is the number one way for you to build your credibility, especially with senior leaders within the business. There's so many people out there who will be on a meeting and be like, oh yeah, I'll do that or I'll get that to you tomorrow. I'll get that to you tomorrow by lunch. And then tomorrow lunchtime will roll around and you know what? They won't have got it to you. And that might seem like a little thing. It wasn't that urgent. It's like, okay, we'll let it slide. But that person has just, you know, eroded a little bit of trust with you. Whereas if you're the type of person who says, I'll get it to you by tomorrow lunchtime and you get it to them by tomorrow lunchtime, you're like, oh, he said what he, was going he did what he said he was going to do. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it again, and you do it big things, and you do it small things. It just builds this trust that you are somebody who gets stuff done. And if you tell me you're going to do something, I know you're going to do it. Otherwise, it's like you get to a point where you're going to tell me you're going to do something. And I'm like, well, I don't know if he's actually going to do it or not. Like he might, but I've also got like a track record with them like not doing it. So it's my number one piece of advice. It's just so, so important. Um... And then the last one is like, be ruthless about just getting stuff done. That's what matters. Don't get distracted by, I don't know, like the the partner event that, you know, that you're invited to or the nice to have stuff that like is fluffy and cool, but like realistically is not implementing anything or actually getting anything done. Like just keep, they be really ruthless about actually getting stuff done and you're going to become a great implementer. Okay, last piece of advice I have is 
kind of more around like progression and this is what i call make your own opportunities so if you're in startups they are full of opportunity it's literally one of the best things about working at a startup company and you can massively accelerate your career if you create these opportunities and if you take advantage of them and honestly i have to say this has been one of the keys to progression for me in my own career i was lucky enough that at age 24 i was leading a team of eight people let's get checked and then at wayflower I was head of a department by the time I was 28 and member of the executive leadership team. And a lot of that was, sure, I, you know, I think I did a good job and I like, I definitely earned those positions, but it's also a lot about like seeing and creating opportunities for yourself. And so here's what the playbook looks like for kind of finding and taking advantage of opportunities at startups. So here's how to do. So the first thing to do is like find some part of your company that's broken. Um, it's a startup. This won't be hard. The second one is to ask around to see if anyone's already fixing it. And if the answer is no, go and fix a problem yourself. It might have nothing to do with your responsibilities, but no one's gonna stop you from like fixing a problem. And the only reason it hasn't been fixed before is because you know, nobody bothered, like everyone's busy. And then the next step is like implement your solution, like actually fix it, deliver the outcome like we talk about. And then the last thing is, you know, start small and continue to do this for like bigger and bigger problems, right? Say you're gonna do something, do it. And soon you're going to have this reputation as somebody who gets stuff done and somebody who kind of cares about the business outside of like their own specific remit and that you're an actual leader within the business. You're going to be somebody who solves important problems for this company. And so often what will happen then is a new role is going to come up at your company, usually more senior role. And if your company is growing fast, they're they're going to want to hire this you know like get somebody into this role like pretty quickly and you're going to realize they're going to realize that like you are a good candidate and that hiring internally is going to be way easier and cost effective than them going out and hiring externally so for example here's something that like could happen so your company decides they need to hire somebody in demand generation they need like a head of demand gen this is a new department they haven't had one before so they think to themselves like okay geez is there anyone inside the company who could actually do this and then they remember you and they're like oh like you know she just fixed a big problem in one of the email nurturing campaigns that is actually our biggest demand generator for the company like it's not really her role but like she did it and it's actually working really well and so they reach out to you for a chat about the new role and say here look we have this role coming off i'm not sure like are you interested in it we'd usually be going for somebody more senior but i don't know we kind of like we've seen what you've been doing internally and would you be interested in having a shot and you can just take it from there. It's so much easier for bosses to promote somebody internally than make that external hire. And you just want to make it easy for them to do so. You'll land yourself some really awesome opportunities if you do this. I've seen this over and over and over in startups. People just kind of getting accelerated ahead of like the usual progression. And it's definitely one of the biggest benefits of working in startups. Okay, so if you've made it, this far into the podcast congratulations you've now got like your six tips the six lessons that i've learned from working in startups and how you can use them to be successful a lot of them as i said are super relevant whether you're working in startups or not or you know whatever sort of organization i really think these are going to be helpful for you to yes be better at your job yes progress quicker land promotions all that good stuff but also enjoy it because when we're good at our jobs we enjoy it we enjoy them more. So that's all we have for today's episode. 
Um, this is the last episode before Christmas, so I'll see you on the other side of Christmas. You've got one more before the end of 2023. The next episode is going to be a 2023 recap, which I'm really looking forward to. If you want more content like this, go and follow me on socials. I'm always releasing new stuff on there. So on LinkedIn, it's Steve Duke. And on Instagram, you can get me on the Two Roads pod. Otherwise, I will see you next week for episode 47 of the Two Roads pod.